Welcome to Season 4 of the Fit Farming Food Mom Podcast. I am your host, Connie, world champion powerlifter, former bodybuilder, and elite trainer and nutrition coach. As a movement enthusiast and health nerd, I'm here on this show to speak with educated guests as we dive into the realm of all things health, fitness, mindset, and everything in between. If you enjoy the show, please do me a huge favor by smashing the like button or subscribing and leaving me a review. Now let's get to the show. I always go back to the origin. Um, you and I all started as a single stem cell. So the fertilized egg has all the, the potentials, you know, everything's embedded in its DNA, has all the potentials to become any cell in the body, right? So from that single fertilized egg, uh, just imagine the massive amount of intelligence that's in that cell. Somehow it knows how to divide and migrate and start to differentiate and, and get gaining new, new functions to form different structures, eventually forming a full baby, right? That's incredible. Welcome, welcome back to another episode. As you may recall in previous seasons, I have brought up peptide therapy a couple of times. I am a huge, huge fan of it. And so today I have Dr. Joy Kong joining me on the podcast, and we're going to dive into a lot of stem cell stuff, but also some peptide therapy modalities as well. So I'm really excited for that. Dr. Kong is a UCLA trained triple board certified physician and the president of Uplift Longevity Center in California where she specializes in stem cell therapy, ketamine therapy, a wide range of therapeutic modalities that enhance overall health and combat diseases with a holistic approach. She's here on the podcast today to talk about stem cell therapies and the myths that revolve around them. And we also talk a little bit in the end about peptides, although I will have to have her back or get someone else on the podcast to talk more about peptides because I'm a huge fan. So anyway, I did learn a lot in this podcast. I'm really excited for you guys to be listening in with this episode with myself and Dr. Joy Kong. But before we get to that, I just want to bring up my favorite thing. And they are the sponsor of this podcast. And that is Drink LMNT. LMNT is a electrolyte formula with sodium, potassium, and magnesium. It is my favorite. You've heard me talk about it, agnosium. Anyway, I'm very excited because they are coming out with a holiday blend here in a few days. It has chocolate caramel, chocolate medley, medley, and uh, peppermint, a chocolate peppermint. And as you know, we had the chocolate peppermint last year. It was amazing because if you want to have a hot chocolate treat or a sweet treat without the calories, without the sugar, without the artificial stuff, and that has health benefits, this is definitely the one. So you can jump on over to their website. That particular package launches on the 30th. Pop on over to the website, though, at drinklmnt.com forward slash Connie. Get yourself a free sample pack of electrolytes. You won't be disappointed, I promise. If you are, reach out. I gotta know because I have yet to find somebody that doesn't like the product. Anyway, pop on over there and try it out for yourself. You won't be disappointed. And that's enough of my rambling on about that. Here is the podcast with Dr. Joy Kong. 
Dr. Joy Kong. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I have been dying to have a podcast about peptides and you're going to give us the best of both worlds because we're going to talk a little bit about peptides today and also stem cell stuff, which is really awesome. So I'm really excited to have this talk with you today. Oh, great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to, uh, to chat with you. Well, I guess I kind of get started with every podcast by hearing a little bit of your background so our listeners know where you came from and what got you into this stuff. Uh, okay, the background started uh, a long time ago because I, um, gr- growing up in China and having the access to both Chinese medicine and Western medicine kind of gave me this um, sense of respecting both worlds. And then I came to the US and studied medicine at UCLA. Um, You know, I went through my own transformations as far as, you know, a a little bit disillusioned when I was in medical school because I felt there was a little bit of a double standard when it comes to uh, Western medicine versus Chinese medicine because, you know, a lot of times the, um, the, the rhetoric against Chinese medicine or other traditional therapies was that, um, you know, we don't know how it works. So even though it has been shown it works, but, but they don't like it because they said, well, we don't know how it works. Um, and that was an argument against acupuncture. And then I realized in my pharmacology class, that's what's uh, often uh, the bottom line for all these drugs is the mechanism unknown. I was like, why is it okay for for you not them and we're accepting it as a wonderful drug and well-respected therapy but not for for traditional therapy so anyhow so I went through my own stage of disillusionment and then you know and then coming to respect what western medicine more um realizing okay yeah it does have its own you know a lot of merits has a lot to give to the world unfortunately um when it excels at emergency medicine and you know trauma medicine, um, it really kind of failed us at chronic illnesses. Um, so that's when I thought, okay, you've got to go back to looking at the body as a whole because you know the way you're targeting the body, looking at reducing everything to a single cause, and that has not worked well. So. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> My cat is cat here. Oh, oh that's boy. oh that's um, so funny. So okay. well, just to, to veer off of this a little, cats in this podcast have been a thing. I'm telling you, I, Dr. <laughs> Shanahan was on my podcast and she had a cat war behind her one time when we were recording, oh which was pretty darn entertaining. But anyways, go ahead. Yeah, so, so anyhow, um, the, um, you know, looking at the body as a whole, and that is an ancient idea. So Chinese medicine is connecting different organs through the meridians. And that's just, you know, that's how they look at the body. So that's when um, I, I thought, okay, so how can I bring the two together? But it's, it's difficult to bring the two together because philosophically they're, they're so, uh, so much opposed. But um, I ran into anti-aging medicine and that's when they were looking at traditional therapies uh, but with the eye of the scientific lens. So that was um, intellectually, you know, it, it was satisfying for me because I could look at uh, traditional therapies, but explain it in the modern science um, language. So, so 
you know, from anti-aging medicine and, and uh, regenerative medicine is part of the anti-aging medicine. You know, of course, we want we need to regenerate in order to not uh, decline and get old and get sick. Um, so stem cell therapy quickly came on, you know, to the scene uh, because that's um, stem cell therapy as a new field. It's um, more accepted in a um, new discipline like anti-aging medicine or holistic medicine, because they're already very open to new science, new evidence. But when you look at traditional medicine, which, um, you know, percolates down, um, you know, you have to conduct a long-term study and then the FDA has to agree with it and then it has to prove it. And then slowly the doctors are aware of it. So if you go that route, it's gonna take, you know, 10, 15, 20 years at least. So the new discipline like anti-aging medicine are embracing these new therapies um, right off the, off the bat, right off the gate. So when new research comes out, these disciplines are saying, hey, look at these new research. Um, we may be able to implement this. So that's what's exciting about um, these, the new form of medicine. Um, unfortunately, I think 90, probably 98% of the medicine practice in the US are still the, the traditional form. That even when people think they're getting hormone replacement therapy, but when they're, you know, doing it at Kaiser or, you know, getting it from their traditional medicine doctor is so primitive and is so limited. It's just, mm -hmm. it's not a real deal. So unfortunately, people don't realize that they think they're getting hormone replacement therapy, but they're actually getting, you know, just a tiny fraction of what could be done. Um, so they are really, you know, a, and it's a, it's a disservice to patients. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's how I got involved this, with this whole new discipline of medicine. You know, I too was in a bubble. I, I call almost all traditional medicine doctors uh, living in a bubble because, um, I mean, how can you not? Because you graduate from medical school, you choose a specialty. And then within that specialty, all your teachers have been taught through this whole system of medication, medication, uh, diagnosis, medication, diagnosis purpose is to plug you into medications. And then you will do continued medical education. And they're all through conferences and, um, and conferences are sponsored by drug companies. So it's the same and, and, and same as scientific literature. Unfortunately, you know, nowadays scientific literature, it's it's getting harder to trust. Even the the chief editor of um, of Lancet, one of the most prestigious you know um, scientific uh, journals, said that he didn't trust um, you know published articles. Um, the the scientific research has degenerated, um, and also same similar things were said by um, editor from J uh, JAMA. You know, mm -hmm. uh, so it just, it's, it's unfortunate. So when you are kept in the bubble, then it's very hard to break free. And I myself didn't even know that people could do stem cell therapy until, you know, about seven years ago. That's when I heard from another doctor. I happened to run into this more pioneering spirited doctor. And he said, I've been doing stem cell therapy. I, I said, what, you can do that. Um, so, you know, I, I don't blame doctors for being kept in a bubble, um, but if they happen to encounter it somehow, a patient, let's say a patient brought it up. Um, I've heard so many patients of mine 
who told me that doctors simply just dismissed it saying, well, you're going to be wasting your money. Uh, it's not going to work for you. It just, no, there's not enough evidence. There's, we're not there yet. They give one sentence sweeping a statements without knowing anything about what's going on in the field. And that is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. So when they did come into contact with this new form of medicine, it's their responsibility to get on the damn computer and look up stem cell therapy and particular conditions to see what's out there. And I, I bet you if they look, they're going to find it. And mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that they don't. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's one thing, you know, also to note is that a lot of these studies that are now new and you hear all these things, right. They really don't know for another 10 years, what's actually going to happen and what's not. So when you see this emerging research, sometimes it's not really accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so that's kind of, um, you know, my story of, you know, getting in contact with this new form of medicine and, um, and I just dived, you know, you know, head on because I just thought this is really exciting. You know, I, I can potentially transform somebody, um, somebody's lives. And I have, um, many, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I've helped people with, um, severe COPD, you know, getting off oxygen, getting off almost all drugs, you know, mm-hmm. people with, you know, liver cirrhosis, um, ending up not having a liver cirrhosis diagnosis, um, of course, osteoarthritis and, and, you know, all kinds of autoimmune diseases like lupus and multiple sclerosis, um, you know, different, you know, traumatic brain injuries, psoriasis, um, it, it just <laughs> cardiac diseases is amazing. It's, it's, it's wonderful. It's exciting. It's fun to do. You know, I, I think medicine should be fun. It should be exciting. Um, but unfortunately, I think the burnout rate is so high among physicians because they just um, they don't have the tools. So right. when you are in a state of of overwhelm and helplessness, um, it's not a good place to be. And I really hope more doctors wake up mm-hmm. and see that there's a whole way of doing medicine. Mm-hmm. So let's back it up just a little bit here, Joy, and let's talk a little bit about what stem cells are and kind of the the, the formula behind that, because I think a lot of people have heard of stem cells or maybe they listen to Ben Greenfield and he talks about it. You know, he's the big stem cell guy in the popular space for health. Right. Um, but like, let's back it up and explain a little bit about it and the me- mechanisms in which it works and all of that. Um, so I always go back to the origin. Um, you and I all started as a single stem cell. So the fertilized egg has all the, the potentials, you know, everything's embedded in its DNA has all the potentials to become any cell in the body, right? So from that single fertilized egg, uh, just imagine the massive amount of intelligence that's in that cell. Somehow it knows how to divide and migrate and start to differentiate and, and get gaining new, new functions to form different structures, eventually forming a full baby, right? That's incredible. So <clears throat> as we, as the cells divide, um, you know, there are until specific organ specific organs, you know, uh, organ specific uh, cells are formed. So specific organs are forming. They're all stem cells, but they're all at different stages. So if you look at stem cells, it's almost like a, like a ladder, you, you go, you know, you go down, you start to gain different functions, but they're still not tissue specific. Um, 
but they are losing some of the potentials by gaining further function. So it's like this rainfall um, all the way down. Um, and they're all stem cells, but they have different degrees of ability to differentiate. Let's say, because they have like, when the, when the embryos forming, there are three layers, endoderm, mesoderm, ectoderm. So within each germ layer, um, that's when different organs can be formed. So the, the ectoderm, you know, nervous system, the skin and the mesoderm, you know, the skin muscle. So, so, and then there's internal organs, you know, a lot of the endoderm. So when you are um, looking at stem cells that are still in our body, you also have all these different types of stem cells in the body. Um, we still have a lot of them, but we also, you know, one thing I think it's, it's prominent um, is tissue specific stem cells. So let's say your liver, your liver has its own stem cell, your cartilage has its own stem cell. Um, so all your organs have stem cells that can regenerate itself. That's why, you know, we can live for 80 years and <clears throat> we hurt ourselves and, you know, the body can regenerate. Um, but the, another type of, of, of really fascinating type of stem cells called mes mesenchymal stem cells or mesenchymal stem cells. So these stem cells, um, even though there's some controversy, some people say you can't call them stem cells because they don't really differentiate. Well, there's actually studies showing that they do differentiate not only in petri dish, but also in an animal's body. So they do differentiate, but I agree that the majority of how they work is not through differentiation, which means you know becoming a cell of that particular tissue. It's through sending signals. It's through sending out signals throughout the body, talking to your immune system, and 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 talking to local tissues, and instructing them on how to calm the inflammation and then start the repair and regeneration. So. We have these mesenchymal stem cells all throughout our body. Uh, anywhere you have blood supply, you have these mesenchymal stem cells. So they are actually, um, you know, uh, you know, kind of hugging blood vessels. Uh, anywhere you have the blood vessels, they're hugging it, and they are sensing what's going through the blood, and they are um, also sensing what's going on locally with um, the, um, the local tissue. So they have this ability. To, to coordinate what the local tissue may need or with what the systemic demand may be. And they can squeeze themselves into the blood vessel if they sense a signal somewhere where they, they may be needed, they can swim upstream and find a place and then get out of the blood vessel and start working. So, so these are very powerful cells and they are right now the most commonly used group, mesenchymal stem cells. But there are also other types of stem cells like hematopoietic progenitor cells, so they can form all the cells in the blood system. Um, so they, there's more in the bone marrow, that's why you have bone marrow transplant for blood disorders, because you can reconstitute the, the, the blood, right, the blood system. And um, um, so, so there's, yeah, there, there, there are many different kinds of, um, of uh, stem cells, like endothelial progenitor cells that also are very important, but, or mononuclear cells, these are, uh, these are young primitive cells. Um, there may be, con you know, a, a different, a different people may define them differently, but these are all very primitive cells and that can differentiate in, in certain directions. So that's kind of the overview of what stem cells are. So how can we benefit from them and what's the delivery format? I'm assuming there's different ways to utilize them. <laughs> 
Yeah, so stem cells, um, you can use stem cells either from a person's own body or from the, um, a donated source. Um, I've, um, I'm probably one of the first person in the industry who's really looking at, okay, I want to provide stem cell therapy for patients because there's so much evidence of its benefits, um, but what's best source? So I went ahead and, and compared um, the difference between uh, a person's own stem cells. So that's either usually from bone marrow or fat. Um, you can extract stem cells from these sources or uh, the birth tissue derived stem cells. And there's also other sources, you know, people can get it from menstrual blood and get from dental pulp. And there are a lot of different sources, but the most commonly used in this country will be, um, or around the world will be either bone marrow or fat derived stem cells from a person's own body or birth tissue derived stem cells. Uh, birth tissue derived usually is from the umbilical cord, uh, could be from the cord blood or the cord tissue or the amniotic membrane, could be from the placenta. So, um, and when I compare these sources, uh, looking at all the published studies, it's pretty clear to me that the birth tissue source is the superior source. They are younger, they have longer telomeres, they have, um, they can, they have longer lifespan, more generations left. They are more metabolically active. They have, they can secrete more anti-inflammatory factors. They're more neuroprotective. And they also uh, has less potential to cause cancer because when your own stem cells start to, um, to work in the body, sometimes it tells everything to grow. And when the cells are older, somehow it may not recognize a cell as diseased and abnormal. And instead of telling it to die, which MSCs, mesenchymal stem cells can do, they instead just tell everything to grow. And that's when you can have exacerbation of cancer. So to me, I have an obligation to provide what's the most powerful treatment and also what's the safest. So after the comparison, to me, there's no question that the, um, the birth tissue derived source is the best um, because I was just facing the question of wh which direction should I go? I just want to get people the best. So I don't have any, you know, I, I mean, I can, I, I can get trained in, in, in fat, you know, extraction, bone marrow extract, you know, that's, that's fine. But, but what, is that the best for the patient? So that's um, what, um, you know, the different sources, but as far as the benefits, so, and, you know, looking at how the cells work, as you look at the mechanism of how the cells work, the stem cells are very anti-inflammatory. So they can calm inflammation. So let's just talk about MSCs since that's where, you know, most therapies, that's what people are talking about. They're highly anti-inflammatory. And, you know, not only most diseases have inflammation as part of the picture, but even aging, um, even a normally aging, you know, you know, ostensibly looking vibrant, uh, older person has elevated inflammation markers, even, even if they're not sick and, and you know, they, they're just normally aging they, yeah, they look older, but they're healthy, but their inflammation is higher uh, than the, the, the younger people. And so by calming inflammation, you can reduce the chance of diseases and, and dysfunction in the body. Mm -hmm. And then it's also very immune modulating. So it calms the immune system in a sense that if you have 
will modulate the immune system. If you have overactive immune system, like in autoimmune diseases, it reduces the, the overactivation. If you have underactive immune system that you just, you know, you can't fight infections, you're just not very, um, you know, very capable, or even can't, in the case of cancer, um, then you can boost your immune system. Um, so it has the ability to, to, to figure out what, where the, the balance should be. And it has antifibrotic properties. And that this is why I've had such success uh, with COPD patients, um, you know, liver cirrhosis patients, uh, or even Peyronie's. I don't know if you know, Peyronie's is a curvature of the penis. You know, mm -hmm. unfortunately, some men will, will get this inflammatory disease where there's going to be plaques that's forming in the penis. So then it, there will be a curvature and it's very distressing for people. Mm -hmm. And I have injected stem cells right at the curvature and it straightens right up, you know, within days. Um, so that's calming the inflammation. So, and breaking down the scar tissue. So you can break down existing scar tissue and which is, is tremendous. You know, the existing, um, conventional medicine still think that we can't do much about scars, you know, scars, scars, and there's not too much, too much we can do for COPD. Really there's, they're not offering much besides the, the steroids. So, um, the antifibrotic property is fantastic. Um, it has angiogenic properties, so it can help you form new blood vessels. So if you are growing new tissue, uh, there's, it's no good not to have blood supply. So you can, um, the cells can promote the uh, blood vessel formation so you can have adequate blood supply. Um, it has um, what's called anti-apoptotic properties. So apoptosis can happen not just when the cells are damaged, but even when neighboring cells are damaged. Let's say you're a cell that, that hasn't been, uh, been touched by injury, but your neighbor is injured either by crush injury, radiation injury, you know, some kind of chemical injury or, or ischemia, right? Lack of oxygen and blood supply. So your neighbor's dead, but it doesn't mean that you have to die. Unfortunately, your neighbor is spitting out all these, all these signals and, and the, uh, causing this calcium cas cascade that's basically telling you to die. So, and then you will follow this program self-death regimen <laughs> or this, you know, this, this, this uh, particular um, cascade and then, and then that cell ended up dying. And that's what happens in stroke and a lot of, you know, radiation injuries. And so the stem cells are able to halt that process, basically saying, hey, no, you don't have to die. So, you know, do we know how it does that? How, how does, you know, how does it have that kind of intelligence? I don't think we have enough, you know, capabilities to, to understand how and why, but, but the, the miracle <laughs> of the fact that it works, you know, it's, it's, it's astounding. So, um, and then it has pro-apoptotic properties. So that's in the case of senescent cells uh, cancer cells. So it can tell the cells to die by secreting certain signals, like it was called trail ligand, basically literally telling these people, oh, these uh, cells to go on program cell death. So um, these are some, some of the major properties, but it also has direct antimicrobial properties. So it actually secretes antimicrobial peptides can help you directly fight off these, these microbes, you know, uh, you know, that's prolozoas, you know, bacteria, fungi. So yeah, very, very exciting, broad range of action. So if you can imagine with all these capabilities, 
what kind you know how it can help the human body mm-hmm. um so i presented um a um um i i've put together a training course because i found an american academy of integrated cell therapy and I, i'm training a lot of doctors um and in that course i talk about different disease conditions and what kind of evidence has been um has been published for all these conditions and and there are 30 categories and within each category there could be you know 10 you know different disease types and within each disease types could be you know each you know different diseases so it's extensive um and i i gave a glimpse of that um that breadth of research in a youtube video i posted um, I gave a presentation at a conference. It's called Clinical Evidence for Stem Cell Therapy. So I, I kind of ran really fast looking at all this evidence. So you could see, I mean, it, there's tremendous evidence there. And then there's also another um, um, video I did um, also at a presentation I've given a few times on anti-aging benefits of stem cell therapy and, and presenting the, the evidence um, of actually dissecting animals' brain and, um, and muscles and, and looking at the changes after stem cell therapy and looking at all the markers reverting back to the younger state. It's, it's pretty exciting, pretty, um, pretty remarkable. So I know that there's a lot of things out there. People think, you, first of all, I think the biggest um, mistake people make is they think they need to go to another country to get this done. And clearly that's not a thing because you're doing it here in the U S. So, <laughs> so let's talk about a, a little bit of the, the myths about stem cell therapy, because I think more people need to know that they actually have access to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the FDA had, you know, a policy back in 2017, basically saying, um, you can do stem cell therapy, um, as a tissue transplant. So that's not considered a drug. Um, so if you don't manipulate the cells, okay, by manipulation, it means you're using chemicals or enzymes to change the cells, or you're growing the cells to a big number. So if, as long as you're not doing that, then the tissue that you're giving people is considered a tissue transplant, um, is not a drug. Um, and especially if you use it for homologous purposes, which means whatever the cells were doing in the body before is what the cells going to do, be doing in the body after you transplant it. Um, so the reason that all these companies are doing things overseas is because they are growing the cells. They are putting the cells in an incubator and growing them to huge numbers uh, because they think that you have to have this, you know, numbers game that you know you need this amount of cells to produce a change. Because earlier research, that's what they were doing. They were using expanded cells, and um, so these. Um, these uh, companies wanted to give people these large, large number of cells. Um, but if they want to do that, they have to get an IND, investigational new drug approval with the FDA. And that not only takes a lot of time and a lot of money, but it's also difficult to get. So a lot of companies just decided, you know what? they're not restricting me in, in Mexico or in, in, um, in the Bahamas and, and in, in, in Panama, then I'll just go over there and, and open up shop. So that's what happened. Um, I have no issue with people who want to do that. Um, my issue is that when I 
provide stem cell treatment of these native cells, which means they haven't been expanded, they haven't been changed in any way. I can give people one-tenth the number of cells and achieve just as good results, if not better. So that's my, my issue with it, because looking at research, it's undeniable when you expand the cells, especially more than a couple of generations, um, they, they degrade in their capabilities. Um, they're, they start to express different surface markers, which will, if you are getting cells from, um, you know, umbilical cord is from another person, right? Unless you're using your own umbilical cord, then this person, if you just use native cells, um, it's gonna adapt to your body much more easily. But when you start to grow them outside of the body, they start to express whatever they were gonna express. And there's no, there's no communication with another, you know, living, you know, entity. So we start to express surface markers will, that will mark them as the previous person. And that can cause immune rejection. And that has, that's what has happened in some of these centers. I've heard, you know, people going to Panama, you know, they will get the first treatment and they may be doing okay, uh, but because the treatment requires three infusions within a week, the second treatment, they start to get sicker. And the third treatment, they get really sick uh, because they just got primed to start rejecting. Mm -hmm. um, so another reason that they were splitting the dosage, um, there's really no good reason. Either it's a business decision that a person is traveling to this country for a week. Um, it's not justified to just charge a lot of money by giving one infusion um, that they're splitting up the dosage, or it's because when they give a massive dose, they're concerned of the potential huge side effects. So they're trying to split the dose. So um, I, I suspect that you know the reason is it's a combination of the two. So that's my my issue with it. Um, I I the only time I ever am cautious about giving the cells to somebody is when this person has a histamine sensitivity issue that they can break out with a rash with just about everything. Um, you know, various medications, various mental stimuli, various foods. So these people are just primed to react to a lot of things. These are the only people that I ever need to possibly give, you know, a histamine blocker. But 99.9% .9 of the patients I treat, I never pre-medicate them with anything. I don't need to. So that, that's the difference. Um, so the, the FDA says, you know, as long as you don't, you know, do these manipulations of the cells and you're doing it for homologous purposes, um, then you're doing tissue transplant, just like you're doing a blood transfusion or, or, or transplanting, you know, a liver or a heart, right? It's, it's part of what doctors can do. We're trained to do things like this. You know, we understand the human body. So that's, that's, um, that's the, you know, a big myth. And I, and I'm, I'm shocked it's still persisting till this day. Um, I don't know how this myth is propagating. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess there must be, you know, people that were act actively, you know, like propagating this, this myth. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So what does a stem cell infusion look like then? Is there, a, what's the timeline? Um, what would it look like if someone wanted to look into that? Um, I think if you're looking at stem cell treatment, you have to look at what you're doing it for. If you want to do it for anti-aging purposes, then um, I would say do it every six months at the least. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing it every three months for the last six years uh, for anti-aging purposes. Um, so some of my patients do every four months, every three months, every two months. So it's really up to the person, but minimal uh, should be every six months. Mm-hmm. But if you are looking at getting help for a particular issue, you're very inflamed, you're, you know, you're, you're disabled by a particular condition and you want a more, you know, rapid and drastic improvement um, that usually take um, two to three sessions at least I would say probably two to four sessions in the mm-hmm. beginning stage. And once you're stabilized, you're doing well, then you can do a maintenance. Um, you know, you can do it, you know, I see people do really well, you know, a year down the line, two years, three years. So it really depends on how you do, but you can always, you know, in the meantime, do the anti-aging treatments mm-hmm. to prevent your decline because you're going to, everybody's aging. So um, if you want to just stop that process, you know, after you're, particular condition got better, you know, then you can do it, you know, every Mm -hmm. six months. Mm -hmm. So look, you talked a little bit about the tissue, the places where you get it, the tissues. And I found this kind of funny because I remember my son is 15 years old. I remember when I was pregnant with him, I used to get all this spam telling me that I needed to to bank the umbilical cord blood and all this kind of stuff. And it's something that we do not think of, obviously we're like, yeah, right. You know, I'm sure everybody has seen those advertisements and been like, okay, so this clearly is happening though. And they are getting it from somewhere. So I guess my question with that is, is, is how do you obtain that? Is it like, is there, is it a tissue bank that you get it from or how does that work? Yeah, so the the cellular products are produced by tissue banks. So these are, you know, I only use, you know, FDA registered and inspected tissue banks. So they will have their own sources. Usually they get it from either procurement companies that that's all they do. They go to different birthing clinics and hospitals and, um, you know, basically screen people and and see if anyone is willing to donate, mm-hmm. um, or they have connections with local hospitals and and you know clinics and and get the tissue that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah. So when the mother is about to give birth, um, you know, you know our our laboratory will follow the mother for a long time. You know until mm-hmm. you know make sure that she's you know getting good prenatal care. And, um, you know, when they're about to give birth, they're asked if they want to save the cord for their baby. And 90% of them will say no, because it does cost a few thousand dollars a year. Mm -hmm. So when they say no, then they're asked if they want to donate. If they Mm. agree to donate, then they have to fill out this very long form, very long, (laughs) with 89 questions, asking them about, you know, their own health history, their family history, their travel history, work history, toxic exposures, sexual history. Um, so a- anything you can think of that may possibly affect the quality of that cord mm-hmm. uh, is asked. And there, there's really no incentive for them to lie because in the US is illegal to sell human tissue. So mm-hmm. we, you know, not even a gift can be given. So there's really no incentive for them to to, to lie, you know, this is not the case in places like Russia. You know, I, I, I know people, you know, have heard about Ukraine, how they are doing fetal cells. Um, by the way, we don't do, do it here. We don't kill any fetuses. These mm-hmm. are all live, healthy births, mm-hmm. you know, happily, you know, born babies, super healthy, 
and usually the the biological you know the 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 umbilical cord and placenta will be tossed into biological waste basket mm -hmm. if the mother says no i don't want to donate mm -hmm. you know or or they don't qualify then it just tossed is in mm -hmm. trash so we don't hurt anybody you know there's mm -hmm. no ethical issues so when people say oh do you, do you injure any babies do you, no you know mm -hmm. i don't know anyone that does that in this country it's not legal mm -hmm. but that's not the case in other countries so Ukraine is able to do fetal cells and the way they obtain the fetal cells is from a lot of Russian clinics. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, these women are selling their fetuses. So they often get pregnant on purpose and then go get an abortion and sell the fetus. Mm -hmm. And and then the the, the clinic, because I, I know this because I know a scientist who actually went there and investigated and, and find out exactly how they do it. They put the, the fetus in the blender and they just blend it up and then inject it into people. So it's not as sophisticated as you think. Right. Um, so yeah, anyhow. Um, so these these tissue that we use are are just, you know, the 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 umbilical cord and placenta that the mother will, you know, either save for their baby or or discard. Um, mm -hmm. but then they're willing to donate after, yeah, after very strict screening. So we actually um, do more tissue testing than the required tissue transplant. So let's say someone needs a liver transplant. They have to go through a lot of infectious disease testing. We actually test a lot more than what's required for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we actually um, test for um, Chagas disease, prion disease, um, uh, Lyme disease, and uh, COVID. Mm -hmm. and, um, and just for safety, um, we are not accepting um, mothers who have gotten the, the vaccine, the mm -hmm. COVID vaccine. Yeah. I, I was we, curious about that. Yeah. That are, that's a decision that I've made. Mm -hmm. Um, also the laboratory, you know, lab I work with agrees with my, my approach. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to introduce that factor to people. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. Um, so my question is, or I guess I don't have a question. My statement is I do like the fact that in the U S you cannot sell that tissue. So it, it takes the financial part away so that things aren't being obtained in a, in a, in a not good way, I guess, you know? So, so that's a really great thing as far as that goes. Um, and I'm assuming that you, like you said, you're screening these people well, because obviously a lot of this, a lot of people may not have been in optimal health when, when they wanted to donate. So that's really awesome as well. Yeah, no, they have to be, um, you know, under 30 years of age, they have to be very healthy, they have to have great prenatal history, you know, being screened for everything. And, uh, and of course, they're looked at of their own toxic exposures and, you know, their own just, you know, what I mentioned, every, mm -hmm. everything, basically, we want a really perfectly healthy mother. Um, and a perfectly healthy baby. And that's, that's the umbilical cord that we're willing to accept. And just, you know, one thing I want people to be aware is that even though embryonic stem cells are very powerful, um, because what we do is not embryonic stem cells. So people still get that confused. They think mm -hmm. it's embryonic. No, this is called umbilical cord, umbilical mm -hmm. stem cells. So it's, it's completely different. This is a fully formed human being. Mm -hmm. And you take the umbilical cord. The cord 
and the placenta are intermediate between the embryonic stem cells, you know, the cells that's in that tissue. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's in between embryonic stem cells and the baby's stem cells. So mm-hmm. it's fascinating, even though it came to be, to be collected at the same time as the baby, but the baby cells has to further differentiated, whereas the cells that's within the birth tissue were, were trapped when the baby was for, first formed. So a lot of th- cells are still very primitive carrying a lot of the characteristics of the earlier cells. So this is something a lot of people don't understand. This is very powerful. Um, And if you look at embryonic stem cells, what's fascinating is, okay, the the way they collect the cells is day five to seven of the embryo. So the embryo that's at day five to seven, that's when it forms a ball. And within the ball, there's some cells, it's called inner cell mass. That's when they can suction those cells out and mm-hmm. use those cells as the kind of the, the, the starter, um, as the embryonic stem cells for therapy. Um, you know, one of the risks is, first of all, there's a lot of risk, you know, there's definitely risk for teratoma formation, which is uncontrolled cell growth. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is you, you heard some women will have that, that they, instead of growing a baby, they grew a tumor, right? Mm-hmm. A tumor of all kinds of tissue, strange tissue, hair, teeth, everything all mixed together is mm-hmm. disordered. It's, you know, something went wrong. Um, The thing is when you are able to form a fully functional human being, um, you have just gone through this screening process because many of the embryonic cells, uh, embryos don't make it. So women, you know, have abortions, not abortions, uh, miscarriages and, you know, losing babies, you know, it's not, is not a bad thing that the, the, a lot of times it's because it's not viable. It's mm-hmm. not a good embryo. So mm-hmm. it didn't make it by the time it made it into a fully formed human being, you've screened out a lot of the genetic abnormalities. So it's almost like a safeguard just by having formed a healthy baby. Mm-hmm. So that's something to think about when people want to do embryonic stem cells, um, because we don't know if that embryo is actually going to finally make it. Mm-hmm. So are there any other things that people you think really should know about stem cell therapies or common misconceptions that, that you want to get out there and, and educate people on? Yeah, I think somehow people are still having the misconception that the cells that we're injecting are going to become the cells of the new tissue. And that is just not how, how it works. You know, the, the research in the last 10, 15 years has just shown it again and again. I mean, it's ad nauseum. When you read articles, it's again, oh, the benefit exerted by these cells is not from, you know, the, 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 the fact that the cells are differentiating into, you know, tissue cells. It's because the, the, <clears throat> the uh, what's called uh, the paracrine effect, which means the signaling effect. Um, so again and again and again, cells work by sending the signals to the body and tell the body how to repair itself, not by becoming the local cells. So that is such a common misconception. And this is why I don't have to inject cells right into your tissue, that particular tissue to promote regeneration. I don't need to inject cells right into your brain, right into your liver to help that organ heal because the cells that are going to travel in the blood and it's going to secrete certain signals to to tell that tissue to start to to act certain way and to tell your immune system to start helping it in certain way Mm -hmm. so so that that is the um yeah one one of the biggest misconceptions um 
And, and also there's also this circulating, you know, basically a rumor saying that there's no life cells in the, the type of, um, you know, <laughs> the type of birth tissue cells that, that we're using. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, how did it propagate? Um, because, I mean, we do testing, we do use third-party testing and it just shows, yes, the cells are alive, you know, 90% viability um, mm-hmm. after it's thought out. You know, so not only was it alive before we thought, you know, we, before we freeze them, but they are perfectly alive after we thaw them out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and some people still say, oh, they're dead. Well, yes, if you have an agenda and you are doing other forms of cell therapy, and then you are not thawing things out properly, you're not handling it properly. And, and it just, you know, there are people who for their own vested interest, because they've set up this business model using, um, you know, bone marrow derived stem cells or other types of cells, and they are attacking people who are doing things differently. It's really Mm -hmm. sad. It's really Mm -hmm. sad, you know, that it's come to that. Um, So that's another myth that's propagated by certain people by relentless blogs. And so that's because they sound intelligent, they're using big words. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people buy into it. Um, Yeah. 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 I kind of <laughs> chuckle at this because I, I watch this in the social media realm, right? So many people, they copy stuff out of studies and they paste it and make themselves sound like they know what they're talking about, but they really don't. So I had to have a little chuckle there, but, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, using big words, that's one of their tricks. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, and I think you were telling me a story of where you were treating a patient for one thing. And like a couple of weeks later, he was like, Oh, my shoulder feels better or something. And yeah. so that's, that's where you were relaying that your body is smart and these are sending a signal. It's not necessarily the actual tissue that's doing the work. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so the intelligence that's embedded in the DNA, and this is why it's so exciting that we've never had therapies where we're injecting intelligence. Um, maybe now we are, you know, with the the probiotics, you know, the fecal transplant, we are in, in, you know, putting in certain intelligence because Mm -hmm. these bacteria, they carry intelligence. They Mm -hmm. are alive. They have DNA. They're able to, you know, act, you know, on their own accord so they can help your body heal. Um, But that's fairly new thing too, but injecting a human cell um, and utilizing the the intelligence in that cell, that's uh, very revolutionary. I love that. Well, I, I don't want to take up all your time today, but I would really love to touch on some peptide therapies as well, because it sounds like you're well-versed in that. And that has something I got into pretty crazy about three years ago. Um, and it's kind of a taboo subject because a lot of these peptides are injectable and especially in the athletics world, it can be like a performance enhancement type scenario. And so a lot of people misunderstand them and they think that if you're doing peptide therapies, you are abusing hormones or, or doing some kind of performance enhancement in that realm. And that's just not the case. Oh, I didn't know people feel that way. Um, I just think peptides are are so cool, but it's true. A lot of bodybuilding and I guess athletes, um, peptides is pretty well, you know, widely used. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of them, yes, there's potential for performance enhancement, uh, mm-hmm. especially like the growth hormone type of peptides. It definitely helps you repair much faster, 
which is hardly performance enhancing, right? You're, you're just, if somebody's injured and, or they're torn up by excessive training, you're just helping them repair. Um, but yeah, certain peptides, you know, like MOTC can help you, you know, improve mitochondria energy and, um, and the growth hormone sets um, that definitely can, can, can help enhance performance, um, helping you gain more muscles and, you know, gain more strength. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can, I can see that, but, but the thing is when we get older, these natural peptides decline, um, this is no different than hormone replacement. Um, you know, why can't we have the same level of hormones as when we were younger, as when we were in our twenties, right. In the early thirties, why do we have to let everything decline? Um, hormone replacement has been shown to be very powerful at, you know, protecting all kinds of chronic illnesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the peptide therapy, it's, you know, in a sense, is very similar in that sense that we're replacing what has been lost because of the aging process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, and, and I, I feel like unlike a lot of things that might be abused by people, this is not forcefully making your body do anything when you're on a peptide therapy. If I'm understanding well, uh, I think that peptides more or less are suggesting something instead of actually forcing it. Like a lot of these drugs do. Yeah, I guess you can, you can say it that way. Um, there are very specific signals, Mm -hmm. um, with, with sometimes very wide range of actions, um, it, it is a natural, you know, a natural form. Of course, you, you know, you can possibly can take too much as well, but, mm-hmm. um, but it's, you know, it, it's not like a drug. It doesn't go through your liver. It's, your body has a mechanism to just break them down naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, um, so yeah, it, it is true. It's the effect is, is gentle. But depending mm-hmm. on what peptides we're talking about, right? Because mm-hmm. growth hormone is also a peptide, um, right. and you can you can do too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I tell my patients is that I would rather you take a growth hormone enhancing hormone, you know, peptide, mm-hmm. um, such as epimoralin, CDC twelve ninety five. You know, there's other ones, you know, tesmorelin. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use these to trigger your pituitary gland to secrete more growth hormones Mm -hmm. and then you your the thing is our body has many many forms of growth hormone the different isoforms maybe you know a few a couple hundred different forms Mm -hmm. but when you use a growth hormone synthetic growth hormone that's just one form out of the you know 200 Mm -hmm. so then you're bombarding your body with this one type of growth hormone and you can easily overshoot and give your body too much and shutting down your own pituitary production of growth hormones, um, and also uh, can potentially, you know, cause diabetes and mm-hmm. you know, facial changes mm-hmm. and um, and cancer. So mm-hmm. yeah, so it's a fine line. I would rather have people take something that will, prom- you know, like you said, you know, signal your body, mm-hmm. you know, give a little prompt. Hey, let's do this. And your body's not, never going to overdo it. And the body's never going to say, oh, wow, we have so much signal. So I'm just going to keep secreting growth hormone. No, mm-hmm. it had a mechanism to stop doing it. It's not mm-hmm. going to overshoot. Yeah. So that's, that's something I, I really like about these peptides. Well, and I guess I should have pre, pre prefaced it with that, right? Because there are some that, yes, absolutely can be abused. 
Uh, but as far as like the secretagogue versions where it's making a suggestion um, and I, I kind of, I kind of like the way that they put it. Like you said, we are aging and so many people let that decline happen when there actually is an answer that is extremely helpful. And it's, it's helpful for a lot of things. I mean, I think I started using um, like, for example, BPC 157, like three years ago, and I didn't do it to heal any wounds or anything per se. What I had major GI distress going on and I was started reading about it and I was like, holy cow, this could be really beneficial in helping my digestion. And so I immediately went to it and it worked fantastic. So um, mm. there are benefits from it that are far beyond performance enhancing. Yeah. 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 So the ones I, I love using in our clinic. So definitely the BPC 157 TB 500. I use that <clears throat> very often along with stem cells. You know, I just, I want, I, I don't, you know, when people say, you know, how do you know what's doing what I don't care. Do you care? You know, the patient doesn't care either. Just make me do better. Mm -hmm. So if I can give you multiple things and they can work together to amplify each other, I'm going to do that. So mm -hmm. the analogy is, uh, you know, if you're trying to grow a plant, you don't one day give it sunshine, the other day, give it water and another day, give it soil, right? You don't, mm -hmm. you know, everything come together. So I want everything to come together in my clinic. And that's another thing that I think I've, you know, I just keep adding on to what I'm doing in the clinic, um, you know, in, even including using red light to activate the stem cells, you know, like I just keep and, and, and putting certain amino acids in the, in the IV fluid so it can enhance the viability and the, the, the health of the cells. So mm -hmm. I just keep enhancing everything um, because I do believe in a very holistic approach and, and helping everything to work together. Mm -hmm. So so the BPC-150, TB-500, I often do it along with stem cells. And I love this just such broad action, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're, helping, we're helping the brain. We're helping the immune system. We can help the cardiovascular system. We can help the GI tract and, and all the musculoskeletal system. So yeah, let's, let's add them on. And then depending on what the person may need, um, if a person has a lot of cardiovascular issues um, or is concerned about aging, you know, which most of us are, the epitalon is, is a beautiful peptide, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a bioregulator because it's such a small little peptide, mm -hmm. it can cross the cell nucleus and actually work on the DNA level. And, and, and that can rejuvenate a cardiovascular system. They've done studies and there are plenty of studies from Russia, you know, who has been doing this for 40 years mm -hmm. and, um, and extend telomere length and, and help protect against all age related pathologies, including cancer. So, so that's something, you know, I, 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 I just tell people it's like a, like a health insurance, you know, you just want to take, you don't need to take it twice a year and then you're protecting yourself, right? You're helping with your longevity and you're re rejuvenating your cardiovascular system. Mm -hmm. And then there's brain peptides. So that I'm really excited about because I'm using something to help with depression. And this is, you know, speaking as a ex -psych psychiatrist, mm -hmm. um, I, I worked as a psychiatrist for 11 years um, before, you know, I jumped out of the bubble and came into the light. <laughs> and um, so antidepressants take about um, three weeks to work. That's what we tell people, you know, two to three weeks. And this peptide P2228, you know, takes about four days. 
for people to, to reach an antidepressant effect. And then, you know, there's anti-anxiety, you know, C-Link is great for anti-anxiety and has a lot of, you know, neuroregenerative properties. Um, and then, you know, C-Max is great for, for cognition, you know, helping with, you know, ADHD type of symptoms, just enhancing, you know, processing speed, you know, just cognitive enhancement. Mm -hmm. And then um, Dihexa also, you know, enhance the, um, the brain-derived neurotropic factor by seven, by, you know, seven magnitude. So, so 10 million times um, as, as uh, potent as the BDNF. Um, so, so we're, and then cerebrolysin, which is kind of a, the holy grail of the neuropeptides uh, that has a range of different neuropeptides that help with brain regeneration. So it's very exciting, you know, the, the neuropeptides, because I see neurological conditions as the hardest one to treat. That's why I'm so excited that I'm getting these peptides that can help me um, to assist the stem cells to work more on the brain. Um, and then the mitochondria peptide, the, the MOTC, it's really exciting. That also helps you know, with blood sugar metabolism. And, um, um, and I like the, um, of course, semaglutide is fantastic for weight loss and for blood sugar metabolism. And um, um, so, yeah, so I have some weight loss um, peptides, which are really fun. Mm -hmm. And growth hormones, growth hormones are, uh, uh, secretagogues are great. Mm -hmm. Tessamoralin is very powerful. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, um, and then there's, you know, they're, they're um, the thymus peptides. So mm -hmm. the, the uh, thymusin alpha one, which is great for autoimmune conditions and, and you know, allergies and infections. So those are, you know, are very handy because a lot of people have these problems. Mm -hmm. So the thymus health is really crucial. And, and the TB500 is, is, you know, is part of this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then there's uh, the sexual peptide is pretty fun. A lot of people like it, the PT141, you know, mm -hmm. to help with um, the erections and sexual satisfaction and then skin peptide, the, the GHK copper, um, which is really, really nice. I actually have that in my cream, the cream mm -hmm. uh, Chara Ami mm -hmm. that, um, that I think is the best cream in, in, there is, mm -hmm. um, that has the, the copper peptide and along with some other peptides, um, the, you know, it's a stem cell cream. So again, you know, I'm bringing stem cells and peptides together. Um, you know, I have a question here because this is a, this, you mentioned Russia, right? And they have been using peptides for years and years to treat things. And I went down this rabbit hole a while back and like, it's pretty crazy because why are we in the U S not using them the way they use them over there? Because they're healing cancer and they're fixing people that are, wouldn't normally die in our country. So, well, guess what? Our, <laughs> our pharmaceutical industry is a lot more powerful than their pharmaceutical industry as far mm -hmm. as political uh, political sway. It's terrible so because that's my we, reason. we would instead, we would be so much more healthy if there were more practitioners like you out there going, okay, here's what, what is needed. And let's start to regenerate things. Instead we have their chemo and these very lucrative treatments that are essentially killing you either way. Yeah. Yeah. The exciting thing, I mean, the, the, how the story came about, how they developed the, the peptides was, you know, some, I guess in the eighties, um, the, um, the Russians were, you know, there were a lot of nuclear power plants and there were of course some 
problems and there are also people who are handling nuclear um, you know, uh, material and they were getting sick. So a lot of soldiers were getting really sick. So the government basically commissioned doctors um, well, commissioned or ordered the doctors to find a solution, you know, to save all these soldiers and, and save people. So they were saying, so the, from the people who actually know <laughs> the whole history, um, talked about how the amount of money they spent to develop, to figure out the, all these peptides is so astronomical. It's mm -hmm. probably not possible today, not even in Russia today. So it was in the Soviet Union when they had that kind of centralized power and that kind of resources to devote to something that they say we're gonna do. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how it was found. I don't even know if that we could even do that you know, mm -hmm. now today with, with the amount of resources that's necessary to, 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 to get that far. Um, but of course, you know, their goal was not to satisfy any big pharma, right? Their, their goal is to heal these soldiers. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's nothing holding them back. Um, we have a lot of things holding us back here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really unfortunate because I remember just diving into some of this literature like three years ago and my mind was blown. I was like, are you kidding me? We could be healing so many people right now, yet it's just now becoming a thing in the U S whereas it's been overseas a, a huge thing for a long time yeah yeah so I know and it's um it's it hasn't the, the FDA has not been kind to the peptide industry mm -hmm. either so they're trying to find different ways to close down different labs that are are providing um these peptides mm -hmm. um and, uh, but they, the FDA has approved, I think over 60 peptides. Mm -hmm. um, so there, there has been some approvals. Mm -hmm. um, more and, recently, I feel like over the last few years, there's more and more showing up. Yeah. But the sad thing is that not only are peptides suppressed, mm -hmm. um, some simple things like glutathione, mm -hmm. uh, it's, um, it's very hard for us to get. It's, mm -hmm. it's such a basic um you know, molecule for our health. Mm -hmm. And um, it's next to impossible to get it in California. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you bet there's opposition. <laughs> well, Joy, if there was anything you could leave my listeners with that you think that is important for them to know, what would that be? Um, I think, you know, have hope. Um, I, I think definitely I've you know, that is one thing that I've offered a lot of people and, and it's real, it's not, it's not fake hope. Mm -hmm. um, so if there's a serious condition, um, you know, I have so much evidence of what has been studied, but there's so many, many illnesses that haven't been studied. But the bottom line is looking at how the illness came about. So, so if we just look at the mechanism, how the cells help, and then you look at how the disease came about is does your disease have an element of inflammation is inflammation part of the picture is immune dysregulation you know immune you know system going haywire part of the picture you know are there are there uh, tissue damages are there um you know scar formation is there a lack of perfusion lack of you know blood perfusion um is is there you know cellular changes you know and, and should, should we help you enhance your immune system so you can get rid of those bad cells? So, so these are the questions, you know, you know, when we can't find exact evidence 
for that particular problem, look at how these cells work. And then uh, maybe instead of giving up hope, give these therapies a chance and see if you can have a better life. I love that. Well, if people want to find you, where do they do that? Uh, my clinic here in Los Angeles is Uplift Longevity Center. So it's Uplift with a Y. Um, so they can easily um, just contact us. But I have a lot of uh, YouTube videos. And I think, you know, I answer different questions like like different stages of healing that you can expect with three cell, with stem cell therapy. So there are three stages um, or about, you know, the, the question is, oh, you know, what about other people's DNA in my body? I don't want that. I would explain that to you just mm-hmm. like, Humans carry many, many bacteria and, you know, viral components in our body. We also, you know, for as long as we've been around, we've also carried other people's DNA in our body. So I explained that. I break that down a little bit. So Mm -hmm. there's some interesting videos on my YouTube channel. It's just Joy Kong MD. um, So people can take a look. So that's K-O-N-G. Yeah. Um, So I think they will, they will really find it pretty uh, informative. Awesome. Well, I will put all of your information in the show notes as well. So people can refer back to that if they would like to look further into what you do and learn a little more about you. And I really appreciate you joining me today. Yeah. Well, thank you for asking good questions. And uh, hopefully this is, you know, giving people some really uh, interesting perspective that, that they, 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 they had no idea about before they got on the show. I love that. It's always great to help people know that they have different choices and options, right? Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Connie. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about me, my online programs, or to inquire about coaching, please visit www.connienightingale.com. And remember, nothing in the contents of this show is intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any illness, and it is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult with your primary care physician before implementing any new health protocols.